Josh Sterling is CoServe's Manager of Energy Solutions. So if you've ever wondered who oversees CoServe's team of energy experts who conduct our free energy assessments, that's Josh here. He also weighs in on topics like electric vehicles, rooftop solar for homes and businesses, and other renewable energy solutions. Is that all accurate so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. no, that's right. I, I was like going off the cuff from my understanding, but I was like, I'm, I might be uh, yeah, no, perfect. exposing myself a bit here. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to As A Meter of Fact. Winter is coming. Or rather, it's already here by the time this episode goes out. All the same, CoServe is and was ready for it. In this episode, we'll detail how CoServe prepares for potential winter weather, including preemptive power purchases, which help save members and customers money. And we'll have a little chat with CoServe Manager of Energy Solutions, Josh Sterling, about what you can do to ensure your home is also ready. I'm Derek Kirby, and all of that's coming up after the bumper. Ah, welcome to the studio, Josh. Thanks for joining us today. Sure thing. Happy to be here. Mm. So where should we begin? You're asking me? Well, yeah. I mean, you're the manager of energy solutions. How about we start with what members and customers can do? Uh, I suppose that makes sense, given you're already here. And I guess while we're at it, I should probably give you a proper introduction. As previously stated, Josh Sterling is CoServe's Manager of Energy Solutions. So if you've ever wondered who oversees CoServe's team of energy experts who conduct our free energy assessments, that's Josh here. He also weighs in on topics like electric vehicles, rooftop solar for homes and businesses, and other renewable energy solutions. So when it came time to review what members and customers could do to prepare for winter weather, there was really no one else I could think to turn to. Thank you for joining me today, Josh, and welcome to the studio. Sure thing. So what are some basic things members and customers can do this winter to balance comfort in their homes with energy efficiency? So comfort and energy savings are often two different things. Um, we like to describe them separately. Um, most of the time, comfort has to do with something that you're generally willing to pay for. Energy savings typically is going to cost you comfort. That's the normally the cost of that. And, and just depending on how drastic you want to be with it, um, obviously there are variables to that. Um, so uh, like I said, if you're, if you're trying to go towards energy efficiency, um, you know, the main thing that you can do is set your thermostat settings to 68 in the wintertime. Uh, in the wintertime, that's the Department of Energy recommendation, is 68 or lower. Um, for every degree below 68 that you go down on your thermostat, there's savings anywhere between three to 5% per degree. Uh, and it works just the, the opposite too. If you go up uh, from 68, every for every degree above 68, you're possibly adding three to 5% um, per degree to your bill. Like I said, if, if you're if you're talking in terms of energy savings, thermostat settings is the uh, is the number one thing that you can do. Uh, other than that, the one thing that you can do to control comfort in your home is sealing up gaps, cracks, leaks anywhere in your house that is allowing air to come in, um, or really it's, it's really heat escaping. So you're trying to prevent those from being a factor. That'll help give you the comfort in your home when you minimize that, that heat loss in your house. Without having to adjust the thermostat too much. Yes, yeah. exactly. CoServe also does free energy assessments too that we can provide to members and customers, correct? 
Yes, we do have free energy assessments. Uh, there, we actually have two free versions, and then there's a third version that's a paid-for version. That's our blower door test. Um, but starting from the top, we do have a, a, a phone assessment where we can provide you energy savings tips, recommendations um, over the phone. That's going to be for people who are short on time, who may just have a quick question. Um, they just would like to get to get to us a little bit quicker, maybe, because um, we can provide that service a little bit faster. Mm. Uh, you're not going to lose much of anything from us. We're going to dive into meter data, so that way we can kind of get get an idea of what's going on in your home. You're going to provide us an idea of what's going on in your home, then we can have that conversation. Um, then we have the on-site home assessment, and at that point we'll come in, we'll do a complete walkthrough of the home looking at windows, doors, electronics, appliances, lighting, uh, insulation. Uh, there's multiple other things that we'll, we'll investigate while we're there. And we'll also create a report, be able to give you that report that's full of recommendations. And then the blower door test, uh, that's a $75 charge. Um, what we do there is we decompress the house and what that does is that pulls air from the outside in and that shows us where the air leaks are at. Uh, we can feel for those air leaks. We can use an infrared camera to find those air leaks. Um, so that's an, just an advanced version of the standard energy assessment. Okay, very cool. You mentioned the over the phone assessments in that way. Is Are those able to also kind of assess the appliances like the, the in-person would, would be able to see like you guys seeing like the particular appliances they use and know like what maker model maybe is less efficient or outdated? Yeah, so that's a good question. The way we would have to do that is um, we'd have to rely on the member at that point to provide us some of, the, some of that information. We could help guide them to where the, the nameplate might be uh, on that particular appliance, mm -hmm. have them read what's on that, uh, what's on that nameplate. And then at that point, we can kind of determine um, age of that appliance, the wattage of that appliance, um, those things like that. And that would give us an idea of what they have inside their home. We give some basic ideas around uh, what they currently have. What is the biggest surprise your team has found while doing an assessment? So our team has seen a lot of things. Uh, we see a lot of things often, not much of a surprise anymore. Um, but one thing that would be a surprise to a member, uh, generally it's a surprise because the bill is so high. Um, one thing that you'll see often is in a home that has electric heat, um, a lot of times you'll see those heat strips, which is what's heating the home, they get stuck on. Um, that's normally a contactor um, or a relay switch that gets stuck. And what happens is on the unit itself, the, the heating coils never shut off, even though the thermostat says that they're off. Mm -hmm. So that can happen, or you can have the similar situation with the air conditioner coming on at the same time. So you're running heat and air at the exact same time. So when you say kind of stuck in that on position, it's like you can continuously hear it, it going essentially, or is it just like it's kicking on every time when the, as you said, the air is supposed to kick on, but yeah. the heat is also kicking on. Like, I, I'm just curious, like if you st stayed and listened for a while, would you be able to tell like, well, that's just never shutting off? Or is it something where it's just tied to like whatever the on function is? So in that particular case, if it's a contact or a relay that, that is stuck on, uh, what's actually happening is you have those uh, heating coils that are on, but the fan is not blowing. So therefore, you won't, really won't be able to hear anything. Wow. Um, so okay. it's just your heat. You have heat that's not going anywhere, essentially. And, uh, and again, you don't know about it. It's nothing that you can see. Um, but one thing that we can do is if we see this, uh, looking at meter data is one way for us to identify this issue. Um, we can also check amperage in a breaker panel or at the, at the meter base, and we can find those things like that. So that's probably, again, one of the biggest uh, surprises to a member because it's something you normally can't see and don't detect and, yeah. until you get the bill. 
Yeah. I mean, definitely on the topic of uh, energy efficiency, if, if it's kicking on and the heat's going nowhere, I imagine that <laughs> yes. that checks the box for something we can improve on. So, yes. okay. Uh, let's see. So what role, what role does the height of the home's ceilings or things like the age of the house or a direction of its windows, what role do those play in like the overall energy efficiency that people maybe don't understand or have to ask about? So that's that's another one of those um, hidden things that most people don't think about um, because the orientation of the home it does matter. If the house is facing east and west, um, you got sun rising in the east, sun setting in the west. So in the winter time, uh, by the time the sun comes around in the afternoon, you should open your curtains and your blinds um, to allow that direct sunlight to come in to help heat. Um, passive heating is what that's called. Um, and then on the east side, you'd obviously want to shut your blinds and your curtains and things like that um, to keep to help keep that heat inside the house. Uh, so again, that that plays with orientation. If you have a north south facing home, um, you're really not going to get a whole lot of that in the in the um, in the winter time because yeah. there's not much of a benefit there for you. Uh, age of the home is a big deal. The, they just don't make houses as efficient as they do today based upon all of the Energy Star standards, what the Department of Energy has implemented in terms of of ratings and, and, and standards and things along those lines. So there's a lot that could be missing from an older home. And then in terms of a volume of a house, the a lot of people don't think about this, but you actually have to heat and cool that volume inside your home. So if you have, let's say you have a two-story home, uh, 20 foot ceilings, that is area in this in the house, that space that has to be heated. Um, so even though it's not being utilized by you, um, that's that space that is being heated or cooled. Um, and right now we're talking about the winter, so um, we're not heat. You still have to heat that space. And yeah. again, you're you're just talking about a, a heating unit that's continually running to try to uh, cover that that space. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that doesn't factor into like square footage, right? So even if a house doesn't have like an especially large square footage, if it has like really high ceilings, that would still. Yep, that's exactly right, yeah. So you could have, um, my house for instance, I have a single story home, but I have 12 and 14 foot ceilings in some areas. Um, if I had it to do over again, I'd drop some of that ceiling height if I had the ability to do that, uh, just because that's less volume that I'd have to heat at that point. Yeah. And open floor plan and just the way the ducts and everything are laid out factors into like if it's a room in the back of the house that doesn't get the same kind of airflow, that's going to be a little bit more challenging to keep heated and everything as well, right? Like just the way it's designed. Yes. So d that's a great point. Design is a, is another factor that most people don't think about until it's until it's happening. Mm -hmm. But if you have a room at the at the end of the house that could be the farthest run from the HVAC unit that's in the attic, um, that he that room's probably going to have less heat in it, and it's just be by design. So there's not much you can do there. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can contact an HVAC technician, professional, have them come out and do a diagnostic to see if there's other ways to provide more heat to that specific area. Um, but again, we're talking about design of a of a house. Um, let's let's even say that same room has two or three external facing walls. Um, that's a lot of exterior. Um, elements that are coming into that room yeah. um, that you know now not only do you have um, you know three external walls and it's the furthest run from the house in terms of uh, duck duck length I mean you're really causing yourself some issues there that again most of these are things that people aren't thinking about when they when they move into a house or even um, even even having lived in a home for a while is they might continually wonder why is this one room always cold or always hot and that, mm -hmm. that's generally something you might run into this would apply to people with swimming pools. What should they do with their pool pumps during the winter? So a pool pump uh, in the winter time should be set to run in the early morning 
or late night. Um, the reason that is is because you're going to have freeze protection kick on. Uh, generally, late night, early morning is when it's the coldest. And uh, we typically see anywhere between any time that it gets below 40, most systems have some form of freeze protection beginning at that point. Depending on the system, it could start at 32 degrees for you. Uh, but we like to say 40 because every system is different. However, so what, what's going to happen is the pull pump will kick on to help prevent freezing. It's just a safety feature. Mm -hmm. uh, so what happens is, like I said, if it reaches 40 degrees at night, your freeze protection kicks on and then it runs until it gets above that, that temperature. Well, what happens is a lot of people leave their pool pump set for the same time that they had it running during the summertime, mm -hmm. which was during the day. So now your pool pump is ran at night due to the freeze protection. And then during the daytime, your pool pump kicks on again. Well, you typically don't need that much runtime in the winter time for a pool pump to clean the pool. And now you've just ran your pool pump twice in one day. So you should set your pool pump to run late at night, early morning. So that way it comes on either because you've asked for it to or because of the freeze protection is going to come on anyways. So it sounds like if, uh, if you got a whole uh, pool pump running twice a day and heating coil stuck in the on position, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah, you're going to have <laughs> a bad month when you get that bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Okay, good to know. Um, yeah, that's something that, I mean, I don't have a swimming pool, but that's something I never would have even thought about, like the, the freeze protection kicking on a second time. That's good to know. Um, something that's become increasingly popular in the last few years ha is generators. But there's a big difference between a portable generator and a standby generator. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between those and any safety considerations that people should make? Yeah, so there's uh, there are two different types. We generally see a whole home backup generator, which is generally naturally gas fed. And then you have a portable generator. Um, those can be ran off of gasoline, uh, propane, or natural gas as well. Uh, but the portable backup generator, uh, it cannot provide the amount of power that a whole home backup generator would. So with a portable generator, you're generally going to be able to plug in essentials. So you can probably get, you know, your your modems and your Wi-Fi and your TV and your uh, some lighting and refrigeration, things like that, things that you need, you'd be able to get um, turned on and, and probably left on. And then the whole home backup generator, you will generally be able to run your whole house if you were to experience a power, power outage. Mm -hmm. One, like I said, one hooks up to your home via the natural gas. Um, the other is portable. So if you're running a portable that should be ran outside um, and, and not near the home either, you don't want the, the exhaust coming back into the house, yeah. uh, you had carbon monoxide would be the issue there. Yeah. Um, so if you can uh, minimize that, that would be fantastic when, when running the, the portable generator. Uh, also, if you have a portable generator, one thing that we like to recommend is a Generlink system. And a Generlink system, it allows you to plug in the portable generator to the Generlink, which is plugged into the meter. Okay. And it allows a single, uh, a, a single line of plug-in rather than having to run extension cords to the portable generator. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more efficient, essentially, in yeah. terms of how or when it comes on. And it's a lot safer for uh, for our, our linemen and, and everyone else as well because of the automatic transfer switch that the Generlink provides. Okay, yeah, that's, that's really good context to know as well, connecting it back to the lineman safety as well. Yes. For more information on generator safety, please visit coserve.com forward slash standby generation. If you could advise people to, t if they were to take one piece of advice out of the, the tips that we've talked about today and things to make their home more energy efficient this winter, which would you say, like, which one would you most recommend? 
um, thermostat settings is going to be the biggest one. Um, but very close with that. Again, if we're trying to minimize the heat that's escaping our house, um, thermal dynamics tells us that heat moves to cold. So what we're trying to do is retain the heat inside the house. I think closing up gaps and cracks and um, in any areas of, of air leakage, that's where that's going to be a big help to you. Yeah. Um, again, any type of insulation is what I would call that. So even curtains and blinds and shutters that can go over windows, um, that's going to help. The windows are is a big point of heat loss. Mm -hmm. So getting those things covered up is going to be a big help. Uh, again, what we're trying to do is retain the heat that's in the house yeah. and uh, it will escape. You just want it to escape as slowly as possible, yeah. which in turn means the thermostat's not having to run as long or as often. So all of that together is is probably is the best way to help combat the, the cold weather that we're headed into. Uh, and then the only other thing I'd like to say is that you can schedule an energy assessment yes. by visiting our website, coserve.com backslash energy assessments. And you can schedule your, your online assessment that way. Thank you again for coming on. So now that you know what you can do, you may be wondering how CoServe prepares. Well, rest assured, dear listener, like TIP, we ready. Uh, I know you like to improvise with your segues and quips, but let's try that one again. Also, come on, man. You know that's Archie Eversole. Yeah, yeah, not gonna lie. I had a feeling that one was a miss. Sometimes the juices just get flowing and it's hard to shut it off. But you know what flow you don't have to worry about this winter? The flow of co-serve gas. Boom! How's that for a segue? I mean... If that's the one you want to go with, I guess. Carry on. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, COSER prepares for winter all throughout the year. Whether that be inspecting our infrastructure to ensure lines have proper tension and that guy wires, anchors, and supports are all in good shape, or vegetation management, wherein crews maintain tree limbs near power lines to decrease the likelihood of iced over branches contacting lines and causing an outage, it's all accounted for. As you likely saw earlier this month, our operations crews are on call 24 hours a day and are trained to respond in even the worst conditions. To get the job done in a safe and timely manner, not to mention ensure our crews make it home safely to their families, CoServe equips our linemen and technicians with cold weather gear, as well as personal protective equipment, materials, and the tools necessary. That includes a reliable, well-maintained fleet capable of handling snow, ice, and freezing temperatures. Let's talk about preemptive power purchasing. CoServe's energy resources team continuously monitors market data, current as well as previous trends, and ever-changing shifts in the forecast when directing its power purchases. As CoServe Senior Advisor of Product Management Paul Virag put it, it's a moving target, and we're looking back at historical data, how much load or usage we had during days with similar temperatures, and measuring that load against our purchases we currently have. We're constantly monitoring prices and doing everything we can to proactively make sure this stretch of winter weather goes as smoothly as possible. During a weather event, demand naturally increases, which means prices also increase in the market. Anticipating this, CoServe's energy resources team works to project the required demand for CoServe members and customers. If necessary, they'll make additional power purchases from the market in advance, when prices are still lower. This proactive action actually ends up saving CoServe members and customers money. Sometimes a lot of money, in fact. 
but it's not as though you can just call up a seller on the market a day or two before a weather event and be guaranteed you can secure a lower price. Sellers know demand is likely to increase and are thus less inclined to sell it to you. This means proactive power purchases are often handled in bits and pieces over the course of several days, weeks, sometimes even months. Sort of like a rainy day fund, really. Having said that, you may think to yourself, alright, so why not buy up as much electricity or natural gas as possible beforehand? Simply put, it's not as simple as that. Large-scale energy storage is still a developing, not yet cost-effective technology. Since you can't store any large amounts of surplus energy, buying more power than you need or could store could result in a loss. Let's say an anticipated winter storm doesn't develop and it's 35 degrees instead of the lower 20s as forecasted. Energy usage will be less, so the excess power would likely have to be sold back to the market at a loss. Also, while electricity prices fluctuate by the hour on the market, natural gas prices are set by the day, so there's less flexibility to work with on that front. Now, in the event that a forecasted weather event does develop, you could sell that excess back at a greater price, yeah, but it's still a sizable financial risk to take. Therefore, CoServe waits until we have relatively high confidence that extreme weather will occur before we buy all of the power we may need. CoServe believes that to do otherwise would not be in line with our values or our commitment to members and customers. Conversely, not having enough power to meet increased demand during severe winter weather would mean having to purchase additional energy when prices are already at an elevated level, often drastically so. It's a pretty delicate balance. Fortunately, it's one that our energy resources team manages exceptionally, especially in recent years when faced by some rather unique challenges. Severe winter weather requires plenty of planning as well as adaptability as situations evolve. But through preparation and proactive action, we can weather the storm together. The energy efficiency work you do around your house, such as opening the blinds and curtains during the day and then closing them at night, sealing up any cracks around doors or windows, and other tips we've detailed here, help keep your home more comfortable without putting as much strain on your heating system. That, in turn, not only helps you keep your energy bill down, but it reduces the demand on CoServe's system, making it less likely we'll have to make additional power purchases when prices are at their highest. CoServe is your trusted energy provider, a responsibility we take very seriously. Through our year-round preparation and training to the careful study of market conditions and forecasts as we game plan for winter weather, we strive to provide excellent, reliable energy solutions while ensuring the utmost safety of our crews. That's the CoServe Advantage, and it's our commitment to you. As a meter of fact, it's brought to you by CoServe, an electric and gas distribution company serving North Texas.